Hello and welcome to A Voice of Hope with Troy Peverall. This show is designed to offer hope for you and your family as you navigate through the struggles of life. We believe that this hope that comes from Jesus can lead you to live a life of victory in Him. I'm Chris Sasser, and today I get to lead us through a conversation about hope. We are glad you're here. So welcome to A Voice of Hope. We're glad you're joining us today, and we are in part two of a series um, talking about a book that Chris Sasser here with me has written, and it will be released in March. And uh, Chris, uh, where can people find the book? Uh, Well, the best place to go is to thebagsbook.com, and there you can click on a uh, buy the book here, and it takes you to some options. What I've learned, Troy, is that people like options <laughs> yeah. when it comes to buying. You could just go straight to Amazon and get it okay, if you so want. Okay, so it'll yeah, be it, it. It's already on Amazon, so um, you can find it. Bags Helping Your Kids Lighten the Load on Amazon. But if you go to thebagsbook.com, you can see a little bit more about it, yeah. and uh, and that'll get you to Amazon. So uh, go back. I encourage everybody to go back and listen to the first uh, episode that we did on a specific chapter in the, the, the book. Uh, but Chris, just for those that didn't hear, um, and may not be able to go back yet. Um, give us just a kind of brief uh, description of the book and what does it mean when it comes to the title, Bags? Yeah, yeah I will. So so what, what I believe, and this comes from years of working with uh, teenagers and parents and, and kids and young adults um, <clears throat> in the church, plus a bunch of, of focus groups that I have done over kind of a, a really targeted period of time. I, what I believe is that kids are packing and carrying with them some some tremendous emotional baggage that they have no idea how to deal with they have no Hmm. idea how to process and i think as as parents we are kind of uniquely positioned to be able to to pay attention to to the quote-unquote bags that our kids are packing and to help them kind of lighten the load along the way and so Hmm. the book is uh, 10 chapters it's you know i think a pretty pretty quick easy read um, it's one chapter that is an introduction and tells kind of a, a story about where the idea came from uh, initially. Uh, and then we have eight chapters on eight, what I call common bags that kids pack. Let's just say from the age of you know five to 25. Hmm. Um, and in each chapter, it is, here's what the bag is. Here are some things that might happen uh, to your kid if they hmm. pack that bag. And then here are just some practical suggestions along the way of what you can do to, to help your kid not pack that bag. And then the last chapter kind of, is a conclusion. So it's just an, a, 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 hopefully a tool mm-hmm. for parents to be able to pay attention mm-hmm. uh, to what's going on with our kids mm-hmm. at a deeper level than we might normally pay attention to, and then actually do something about it. I call it a preventive maintenance plan. That's really good. And the the chapter that we're going over again today is the uh, relational bag. And um, there, you know, we talked quite a bit last time uh, just about evaluating uh, yourself as a parent as well as the relationship you have with your kids. Um, one of the things that I was reading in it um, was just how kids, youth, young adults um, have unmet expectations and this unsettling tension uh, that's growing in them that they actually don't deal with. Um, and as a result of that, there were three areas that you talked about um, for potential problems with connecting um, or connection with other people, friendship and intimacy. Um do you, do you see this in your work, and what do you see that kind of shows um, perhaps an, uh, the one that stood out to me is, is difficulties with w- intimacy? Like, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we're all growing up. You know, you and I are still growing up, I guess. Right. <laughs> right. We're all growing up in a culture where, where it's increasingly more individualistic, you know, and, and with our devices 
and the way that we are kind of uh, on a screen by ourselves hmm. often is, you know, any of us who have you know, kids who have those devices, we know that is exponentially more hmm. for them. And so they just struggle to, to know how to connect yeah. like one-on-one face-to-face, you know, as you know, mm. lots of us have said in different ways is that they'll send a text and say something in, you know, typing that they would never say to someone right. face-to-face. Right. And so it's just, they, they don't have this opportunity or, or they don't practice very much what it means to have these personal relational connections. Right. Uh-huh. And it just makes it hard for them, I think, to live the life that God's called them to live. Right. Because they just don't kind of know how to do that. And that, that, that isn't just in a, you know, um, a, a sexual or a, a, a kind of a marriage relationship later, they don't know how to right. be intimate. They just don't know how to have friends sometimes. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, over the you know, few years I've seen primarily since uh, social media and the smartphone have uh, really made their way, uh, I've heard students describing that when they are behind the screens or when they're communicating with their friends or whomever, um, it's like a different person. They're yes. a different person. They can disassociate who yes. they really are with who they are yeah. behind the screen. Totally you know, true. and it's interesting because one of the things that I also see, and I see this more in the young adult life, is and they young adults will attribute it back when they look back that their inability to connect well is exactly what you said is because their connection for so long was behind the screen. But when they want to get into a real relationship, um, it's so, so difficult mm-hmm. and frustrating because I think that, that, that we as people were um, made with the potential uh, and need for that word, intimacy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, ultimately, you know, sexual intimacy when you're married, but intimacy just in any relationship as to what does that actually mean. Um, Anything come to your mind when it comes to um, what one word, perhaps, that inti- when you think of intimacy, do you think of a word at all? I mean, the word I think of is connection. Connecting. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's kind of what people want more than anything else. They want to be able to connect. Yeah. So that would be the word that comes to mind that for me. That comes to your mind. It's good. Yeah. So I ask that question. It's not fair sometimes to ask a question and then not, not have an answer for myself as well. So the thing that came, come to, came to my mind when I saw the word intimacy is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think vulnerability shows this place that I'm willing to take down my own uh, guard as a parent. And that's a scary thing to oh, yeah, do. For sure. It's a scary thing to do that as a person. But when I look at that, and I, there's a question here in the book that I'm going, this is it. How do we model healthy relationships to our kids when we ourselves are struggling? Yeah. And I think, you know, it goes back to, again, broken record, the relationships. Like if, if I have mm-hmm. a good relationship with my kids, especially as they get older, mm-hmm. then hopefully I can be kind of vulnerable with them. And, and, and I think so many parents think they have to, sorry, so many people <laughs> think they have to just be perfect and have it all together and put up the facade and not have, you know, any chink in the armor. And certainly yeah. as parents, we feel that way. But, you know, I, I feel like I just want to be real and I want to be authentic and I want for my kids to know that that's not necessarily the, you know, the way that, that, that is, is freeing to live to always to be hiding behind this mask Hmm. of, of, you know, inauthenticity because we're all broken and we're all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Right. And so, um, 
I can't remember the question now. <laughs> I just got <laughs> no, on a just, roll there. Oh, you're just you're <laughs> describing kind of this place of vulnerability yeah. that I think is the model. Yeah, that's right. It's so difficult to get to that. Um, yeah. I think just be, because I I think there's just pressure not only for our kids, but there's pressure just wanting to be a good parent. Yes, and I think it's screened through somehow this lens of unconscious walking in life that that means that I don't have struggles. That's right. Which is not true at all. No. And so, you know, is there value for my children to see that their daddy struggles? I think there's tremendous value in that because if they don't see that, then they think, Oh no, I can never struggle in front of people. Yeah. That's right. It's it's just the modeling of kind of you, you being healthy yourself and being Mm. authentic and real about it and then giving them the freedom to do the same because there are going to be moments when they struggle and, yeah. and, and when they do, you, you want to have the door open for them to talk to you about that. Yeah. But if they think, oh, we have to hide behind all of this fake life yeah. and not be honest and real about our struggles, then they're never going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's good. You know, one of the things that you point out in this chapter also that I think is related to this is when, when we do, you know, make mistakes um, as a parent, um, what, you know, going back to my child, even when they're young, and apologizing to them. You oh, yeah. make that point out. For really sure, yeah. I, mean, I think, you know, um, newsflash, we, we as parents make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> and there are times where we need to apologize to our kids. And I even think I tell the story in here about how there's one time when I, I knew I blew it mm. with our daughter. And she was, you know, younger and in a bad place. And, and I just remember going into her room and, and really just honestly apologizing and sort of helping her understand, hey, I made a mistake. I should not have done, I shouldn't have said whatever it was yeah. that I said or did. And after the after that conversation, like I think she hugged me harder than she ever had. That's so, so And so it was, it was kind of a restoring the relationship sort of moment, which is another kind of thing that I talk about in the book. But yeah, we, we, gotta, we gotta be willing to say truly and authentically to our kids, I'm sorry. Right. Isn't that interesting? Because at the point of which you make the apology, um, the, re- the relationship is restored. And I know that like even in our walk with God, it's like there is, you know, there's what he did for us that covers it all. But it's our response to that that brings the connection relationship yeah, to that's relationally. Good. Yeah, that's true. And so why would it be any different for earthly relationships, especially your kids? Yeah. You know, so at the point of, you know, hey, I've I have not conf- I'm confessing I messed up. It frees up that relationship. And I think when children see that, it takes the burden off of them because kids, depending upon where they are developmentally and other factors, um, and the, just the craziness of raising teenagers, emotion, the emotions they're going through, they don't have that ability to know sometimes is dad's anger deserved. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong here. Yeah. But when you as the parent own it first, when you know you've been wrong, it frees that child up. Yeah, because there comes a point when they get to be a little smarter and a little older mm. where, where they can see that, oh, dad was wrong there. Right. Dad should not have done that and shouldn't yeah. have said that. Yeah. And dad probably knows. Yeah. And let's see what let's see how dad's gonna handle this. And right. And so if a kid has <laughs> right? that maturity, which yes. is so good, then what happens when the vulnerability of modeling what should be done does not happen? A kid's it's, it's got sets a pattern. It sets a pattern. And the kids sometimes rebel. Because it's almost like, well, they see the fakeness. They're not that dumb. That's right. They, they, they get what's going on here. <laughs> right. <laughs> this yeah. has been good. Um, yeah. We want you to, you guys, just to keep listening, come back to the second part of our 
uh, our time today, we're going to be talking about uh, what happens when the relational bag gets packed. So thank you again for being with us today on A Voice of Hope. Don't you just love the word renew? It offers a chance to take a look back while holding new possibilities in hand. It's a word that offers healing, but without the bonds of despair, and it seems to point us in a new direction while giving promise to move forward. This is Kim Peverall with a voice of hope. This ministry has been created to bring encouragement in a relevant, easy conversation. Through insights offered from Troy, Chris, and their guest, it's our desire that you'll become a voice of hope in your walks through life and into your community. Let's change the narrative of the last year and make a plan to choose positive perspective and embrace hope. Practice peace and fight your tendency to become anxious. Instead, pray. Pay attention to new ways to encourage others. Simple steps like these will affect change in your own life and spill over into your community. We invite you to find more resources for hopeful living at agape-counseling.org and equipandencourage.com. Hey, thanks for listening. We are honored to share this journey together. Welcome back to A Voice of Hope, and we are going to continue our conversation on the relational bag, uh, bags that we actually kind of sometimes find ourselves uh, encouraging um, accidentally for our kids to pack and trying to lighten that load. Um, so Chris, just just had a few things from your book I wanted to ask you. Um, kind of go through with us what happens uh, if the relational bag is packed. Yeah, and, and I say this in the book, that this is in no an exhaustive list. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's just probably a lot of clinical stuff that could go into your question. But just from my observations yeah. and, and conversations with, with you know, students and young adults and years of ministry, there are a couple of things that I would say. Number one is I think if, when relational baggage gets packed, then um, kids just have a hard time trusting people in general mm-hmm. because they, they don't experience a healthy relationship that is based on trust. There's kind of always sort of this question around, can I trust this person? Can I not? And so they just have a hard time kind of trusting people in general. I would say mm-hmm. number two, um, I, I think when there's relational baggage, especially in the family um, and, and kind of maybe family relationships have been a struggle Kids question whether or not they even want to have a family. I mean, mm. you know, I think back when, when you and I were growing up, there was kind of this expectation that, you know, you're going to grow up, you're going to get married, you're going to have kids, you're going to have a family. And that, 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 that expectation doesn't exist culturally as much maybe as it used to, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think, you know, relational baggage can, can, pack, can, can play into that quite a bit. Um, and so, you know, there's just, if there's disappointment around relationships, in life, can I even have a healthy family? And if I can't have a healthy family, do I even want to have a family at all? Right. I think it's one of the things. Um, I think mm. they just can have a hard time building close friendships if there's relational baggage with, with friends and peers. And again, you know, it goes back to what we've already talked about before is just the, the, the fact that they're on a screen so much and they're not practicing what it means to build a real relationship with their peers as much as maybe they could. Mm. Then it's just it, it another layer of, of, um, of bags just kind of comes in on them. And it's just me, hard to build relationships. That's good. Let me go back to the first one that you yeah. were talking about, just the, that you end up not trusting. Yep. Um, what, when, when trust is broken, um, what, what are some things that can be done to help reestablish that? Like what should a parent know? Um, 
in the way of, okay, what do you do at this point? Honestly, I think it goes back to what we talked about before the break a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like if, if, and I actually have done this with my daughter recently. I don't mm-hmm. know what the outcome is going to be, but I feel like there have been times when I, I, she has been saying things to me for a couple of years about mm-hmm. a few things going on with her. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't been listening well. Okay. And I went to her and I said, honey, I, I just want to apologize. So it goes back to what we talked about before mm-hmm. the break of you got to be able to say, I'm sorry. Right. And, and so she can't trust that I'm listening to her. She can't trust that, that I, I'm kind of really there for her in some, some areas of life because I haven't really been listening mm. and I've sort of minimized maybe some things that are going on with her. And so yeah. I, I went to her and I said, honey, I, I just want you to know, I've realized that over the last couple of years, I haven't listened to you very well. And I just want to apologize mm-hmm. for that. Now, I, I literally, the next day, caught myself almost doing the same thing I've mm. been doing for the last two years. Right. And so, n- number one, I've got to apologize to her. Right. And then i got to demonstrate yeah. that I'm listening to her. Yeah, I think it's right? so good that you said that because one of the things I was thinking when you said trust and the apology part, um, I, the, the picture I got in my mind is a, like a, a bridge that you would walk across. I kind of go to the Grandfather Mountain Bridge um, oh, love that bridge. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's unsturdy. I've never been on it, but yeah. I've heard about it. It's, it's a swinging bridge. <laughs> it's, it's a cool. swinging oh, yeah, bridge. It's great. And so involved in the trust piece is, is somehow like, so trust has been broken and it feels shaky. It feels like you've, you could lose your footing. So what do you do? You go back and you are vulnerable to your kids. I hear you saying you apologize, but then you also need to do it again. Uh, right. You got to live it out. You got to keep doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's going to take consistent demonstration that mm. she can trust me, yeah. which is no different than what I say to her. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> like right. if, if mm-hmm. she breaks my trust about something or our son breaks trust, what I'll say to them is, okay, you have to earn it back. Yeah. And so I, I have to earn her trust back over the course of time, mm-hmm. which, which requires me to be incredibly patient Yeah. to not expect Right. That she's going to automatically trust me just because I apologized and I've gone one day yeah. of you know potentially listening to her and really yeah. hearing what it is that she's saying. So you got to be patient as a parent to yeah. to rebuild that trust with your kid is what I would say. And there's that word again. Sometimes I think of the word time. Like yeah. trust is, it's, you just can't do away with time because consistency. Time is made of a consistency piece there. Yeah, that's right. That's good. That's right. So what's the, uh, I think, a third thing that comes to your yeah, mind? Yeah, so a couple more. Um, and one of them we talked about a little bit is that they'll struggle with intimacy. Um, you kind of if they sort of pack the relational bag. And that obviously mm-hmm. uh, translates out to, to their sexual relationships. But when, when they've kind of never been able to get close to anyone emotionally, then they tend to kind of hold back in their key relationships and, and not really let anybody in. And so, and then the last one is they'll just tend to be more isolated when there's, when there's relational baggage that kind of Mm. piles up over the years and, and, and they just feel like they're failures kind of in a lot of their different relationships. Mm -hmm. They tend to kind of become more of a loner because it's just easier. Yeah, that's good. Just easier to be a loner. So those would say are a few things that kids, you know, that might happen to kids if they pack these bags. That's, that's really good. All all of those really good. Um, Some other things that come to your mind, um, when it comes to relational principles that you have in your book um, is, you know, you make a point of not comparing your kids to each other. What, I mean, 
we kind of can wonder or know a little bit about that, but say, say some more about that. Well, that, that goes into both the relational bag and the comparison bag, because comparison okay. is a bag in and of itself. And, and part of what I say in the beginning of the book is, is obviously our lives are just so complex and so layered that these, these bags sort of overlap quite a bit. Sure. And so, you know, I think just naturally, if you have more than one child, uh, just the comparisons just sort of happen and, you know, mm. Hey, you know, she, she's walking when she's 12 months, but he walked when he was eight months or, mm-hmm. you know, she likes to eat her vegetables and he doesn't, or, right. you know, she's an athlete and he's not, I mean, just mm. naturally, I think in conversations, you know, and sometimes that's just not a big deal, but I think as our kids get older, right. they feel that comparison. And it's yeah. funny. I mean, even, even in our house, we have two kids and we feel like we've been pretty, you know, even-handed when it comes to <laughs> raising our kids sure. and helping them feel like um, that that we love them. But both of them feel like the other one's the favorite, right? Which I think that means we win <laughs> right. in the comparison game because yeah. both of them are like, no, 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 you like yeah. him, you like her more. <laughs> um, but but they just feel kind of this comparison game, and I think once they kind of begin to pack comparison baggage, it mm. factors into their relationships, mm. and you know, comparison happens sort of all along the way. And 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 one of the things that happens is when when comparison baggage is packed. Um, and I'll use this example. So, so let's say, and this was, you know, years ago when our kids were a little bit younger before, uh, they were driving, you know, we're, we're going, you know, getting in the car, going somewhere, it's me and the two kids. And one of them calls shotgun wants to sit in the front seat. Yeah. Right. And I, I let one of them do it. Well, the other ones, they're mad at me <laughs> and they're mad at their sibling. Right. So, so there's relational baggage with me. They're comparing what they get to do hmm with what their sibling got to do. There's relational baggage there. There's just so many layers of this stuff. It's crazy. Um, oh, that's good. So though. yeah, but, but I think comparison really, really matters in these relationships. That's good. Another one you, you talk about is um, just, uh, you mentioned earlier giving uh, giving them time uh, and attention and talking, um, but also just uh, helping them build friendships or healthy friendships. Um, say a little bit about that. Yeah, I think oftentimes our kids just sort of get thrown into, you know, their natural sort of habitat at school or on a team or, um, you know, it could be at church. And, and, and they, they are naturally around other kids, but they don't always know how to build friendships. And I think as parents, we have the opportunity to sort of dial in and dial out relationships. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easy when they're toddlers and you organize a play date because everybody's going to go to the playground and, we're going to play together. It's a little bit more difficult when they're you know, 13, 14 or 15, but mm-hmm. you can do it. Mm. You can um, identify with other families yeah. where you kind of want your kids to be in that environment. And yeah. then as an adult sort of organize opportunities mm. for your kids to be around other kids that you want them to be around. And it doesn't always work. The friendships don't always kind of blossom, but you know, I want to put my kids in an environment where they are building healthy friendships. And yeah. on the other side of that, and you know, I, I just remember my parents had to do this with me, is if there are relationships in their life that you know are toxic and yeah. you know are bringing your kids down, figure out a way to get them out of those relationships. Yeah. Which is easier said than done if the kid sure. is you know, in their science class or on their team. I get that, but you just gotta pay attention to what's going on with these relationships and try to dial in healthy relationships and out unhealthy relationships. That's good. Very good. All of these things are, are, are good and important. Um, any other thoughts come to your mind just on the, the issue of relationships and that bag? Yeah, I'll say, uh, and this goes a little bit back to, to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about modeling healthy relationships. And, and I think, um, you know, for, for anybody, obviously, who's married, you want to model a healthy relationship with your spouse. 
Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the the quotes in the book is that um, a, a young adult said, I remember um, hmm. evaluating my ability to have a healthy relationship with my future spouse based on what I saw from my parents. So, so good. Right. And so you have to, to model healthy relationships. I think, you know, like I want to, mo- I want to have a healthy relationship with my brother and my sister. Right. And I want for my kids to see that. Like, and I know that there are times where there are, you know, as adults, we have sibling disputes, but, but if I, you know, get off the phone with my brother and I'm frustrated with something and my kids are in the car, my wife's in the car and I have a conversation with my wife right. about how bad my brother is. Yeah. And, and, and she's sitting in the back seat thinking about her brother, my, right. my, my daughter, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, am I planting a seed that, mm. Hey, like when, when we get older, like that's, what's going to happen to us is we're going to have bad relationships with our siblings. Um, I think we have to model healthy relationships, you know, with our boss, this goes to the authority bag, which sure. is another one, right? That's good. Like I have to learn how to live under authority. And so like, if, if I'm struggling with something going on at work and mm. I'm mad at my boss or I'm frustrated with my boss and I go home and I talk about that relationship where my kids can hear it. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden they wonder, Oh, like, am I going to have a bad relationship with my boss? Yeah. That's good. Or, you know, again, it, it layers into the authority bag. So, so many different things that I think we can do as adults to, to just model healthy relationships in life mm. to our kids and, and, you know, in some ways protect them from some of the things that, you know, we are going through, which goes against the vulnerability that we talked about, but sure. it's, it's gotta be appropriate and it's yeah. gotta be, you know, healthy as we talk to our kids. So Chris, this has been fantastic. And I just want to, uh, encourage people to go and listen, uh, to the podcast that we did prior, uh, to this one, uh, and also to, uh, be looking for mid-March to get the book Bags by Chris Sasser. And to the listener out there, I just want all of us to know and be encouraged that uh, we're not going to do this perfectly, but we can attain better if we seek this. And um, just posture yourself before the Lord and know that you are a voice of hope inside of your family and to the community uh, and to the roles that God has given you. Thanks for being here and joining us with A Voice of Hope.